Oh, yes. This is the Hardcore Marketing Show. I'm Casey Cheshire, your host for this epic journey. And today's show, sponsored by Cheshire Impact, on a mission to help people maximize their use of Pardot and Salesforce. CheshireImpact.com. Hey, everyone. Before we get started with the show, I'm excited to announce two things. First is that my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, is now live on Amazon. So go get it. The second thing is we have a new sponsor, Qualified.com. I'm going to tell you about them in the next couple seconds here and also how you can get a free copy of my book thanks to them. So who are these people? Well, Qualified is the number one live chat and chatbot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Sales reps can have real-time personalized conversations with who? Your hottest website visitors. So I want you to know, I don't just partner with anyone. I genuinely love these guys and the platform, we use it at my company. Our sales team loves it. We've closed a lot of deals based on it. Um, had a lot of great conversations with prospects too. So, you know, a lot of marketing these days is what? Hurry up and wait, right? Fill out this form. And then if we pass you over to sales, maybe you'll swap six emails with them to find a good time to talk. But what if a prospect is doing research right now and they would chat now? Why not give them the opportunity? So the best part is your company actually decides what leads are worth a live chat. There's a lot of noise out there. You don't want to talk to everyone. So Qualified actually connects to Salesforce and Pardot, and it's able to pull in lead and contact information. So you can specifically know if you're talking to a VIP, a VP, a decision maker. It's really kind of like magic. Now, if you don't know who someone is, well, what happens then, Casey? Well, that's when the bots come in handy. Chatbots can then ask you know, questions to further qualify a lead. Find out if maybe this is someone you do want to talk to. And they can book meetings while your sales team is out. And they can wake up the next morning with a bunch of meetings on their calendar. Now, here's the promo. If you are a company that wants to give your sales team this ability, right, to be able to talk to decision makers right when they're on your website, do this. Go to qualify.com and start a chat, right? They use their own tool, of course. Start a chat. Tell them that Casey sent you. If you have Salesforce Pardot, when you schedule and then do a demo, they will send you a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed. Not bad, right? Well, it's only while supplies last. So hop on this thing today. And that's it for sponsors. Let's get to the show. We're live. And I am really excited to tell you all about who we're ch chatting with today. I have seen his content uh, author. He's a longtime marketer, over three decades of experience leading marketing organizations, um, agency, as well as serving clients. Amazing. Author of Smash the Funnel, CEO and Chief Revenue Scientist at Square Two, Mike Lieberman. Welcome, sir. Wow, what an intro. Uh, uh, my head, I don't know, how am I going to get out of the door here? I mean, that was so nice. Yeah. Thank you well, so much. I'm really happy to be here with you. That was such a nice intro, so I, I really appreciate that. Well, I'm tickled pink to be chatting with you. Literally, all of your content is valuable. There's no fluff. There's so much fluff out there, and I unsubscribe, and I even hit spam to try to get it, you know, to try to get my revenge on them for bothering me. But all of your content is so good. I saw one this morning, even about landing pages that convert and what's a good percentage. So just everything you've got coming out of your, your team is fantastic. And, and I had first heard about you in the CEO circles where they're like, oh, what do you do if you don't have a funnel, if you don't have a marketing effort? 
Well, call Square too. They will build everything from scratch for you and then be able to pass it off to you if you want it or they can take, I just like the, the words and, and, and things that I've heard about you have been everywhere. So it's just an honor to chat with you. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And the no fluff uh, comment is like the ultimate compliment for me. I mean, when we started Square Two, we really wanted to give people the right advice. And we yeah. said back then, like, we have to be no fluff. There's so many, you know, fluffy uh, guidance information and stuff out there, you know, like how much of that can you really continue to support and we always wanted to be no fluff we actually send a jar of fluff to our prospects and say this is the last fluff, last fluff you're going to get what? from us and funny story i go to the supermarket near my house and i buy 10 cases of marshmallow fluff in a crack and they always want to know like what, what's this guy doing with all this marshmallow <laughs> fluff but yeah no fluff is our thing so again that's a huge compliment thank you for that absolutely and right now my listeners are going casey no fluff from you either so what i'm going to do is pick this thing up it's heavy, so I'm going to pass it over to you. Here it is. This is Thor's hammer. All right. Go ahead and take that and uh, smash for me some kind of marketing myth, bogus strategy, misconception, drives you crazy. You want to set the record straight. Yeah. So, I mean, I would be remiss if I did not start with the concept that the funnel is actually still a model worth considering when you're looking at uh, sales and marketing tactics. Um you know, we, we wrote the book, Smash the Funnel, to, again, try to get some of this thought leadership and information out, in the, uh, out to the public that, that basically says, as consumers, you know, we are all having this uh, crazy, chaotic whirlwind of experiences online where, yeah. you, you know, you just said, like, people are emailing you, you're trying to figure out what to read, what to delete, what to opt out of, True. and, you know, you're doing your own searching, and, you know, your searches are influenced by people who are remarketing to you and advertising to you and throw on top of that the people that you do, you have led into your circles who are now sending you stuff and, and asking you to watch stuff and listen to stuff and attend stuff. And, and we're just all, as consumers, just overwhelmed with the amount of content out there and the amount of information. And it has made the kind of narrow and traditional and simplistic funnel in, in, in our eyes uh, obsolete. And okay, so the funnel's not really representative of today's buyer journey or buyer experience. Well, you have to replace it with something. And we chose to replace it with a series of cyclones. And it really feels like that, the cyclonic buyer journey that we created. And by the way, we're not the only one. If you follow HubSpot at all, they created this flywheel concept to replace the funnel, which is a simplistic version of, of our cyclonic buyer journey. So the flywheel works, works wonderful wonderfully if you're looking at software and, and how to apply software to the new buyer journey. But if you're a marketer or a sales professional and you're really trying to go down deep and look at your, your prospect's buyer journey and really create an incredible experience for them, well, you really need to look at eight different cyclones that, that your, our buyers are in and try to figure out how we can influence how we can educate, how we can guide them from one cyclone to the next as fast as possible and as efficiently as possible. And that really is the end game. If you can do that, you will have a very efficient marketing process, a very efficient sales process, and you will start to see some of the challenges facing sales and marketers today start to fall by the wayside. Jeez. So I'm going to need to take you back because I think some of our minds are getting blown right now. Cause we're like the, my precious funnel, you know, my precious, right? Like yeah. you're, you're taking away our precious funnel and it, it just, it's not valid anymore. Or is just kind of an antiquated model. 
Well, the, the, look, the stages in the most simplistic funnel, you know, they're still there, right? Yeah. I think there's three of them, you know, like awareness, um, consideration, decision, like something like that. Like those are all legitimate, right? Um, I just think that's a simplistic way to think about it. And the big part of it that for me is missing is the gravity, right? A funnel mm -hmm. assumes there's gravity. It assumes there's force that is working these prospects through a natural set of experiences that they will pop out at the end. And I think what the cyclone does is introduce the fact that there is no gravity right. and that there's just a series of influences that could potentially throw a prospect who's about to sign your paperwork out of the decision-making phase and send them all the way back to the education stage. If oh, something geez. goes wrong at, at that back end of the buyer journey, like what if they, what if they're talking to a reference? They're completely bought in and they're ready to go and they think you're the, the person for them and they speak with a reference and the reference accidentally mentions one small thing that causes them to pause. They may be back in the education stage again. And I think that's a much more representative model of the way people buy today. There are just so many influences, touch points, uh, uh, um, areas of, of, of impact that you have to be aware of them. And that's what the cyclonic buyer journey helps you start to look at. It's an eight stage process, not a three or four or five stage process. And there's some interesting additional stages in there for consideration. You know, it, it, it's, it's a, it's a key point. I, I think I've taken for granted too, that there's gravity in a funnel and yeah, Hey, at least they're traveling downward and maybe they escape. Ooh, they escape. Right. But, um, but if you can patch up that funnel and no one escapes and they all just flow down, but you're right. I think the biggest competitor to most companies is like inaction, right? 100%. Status quo. Yep. So that, that right there proves there, there is no gravity. Cause I'll just hang out here in awareness <laughs> and do just fine. Sure. I mean, look, um, I look at marketing and sales as not B2B or B2C, but it's a business to person, right? Like mm. people make business decisions, people make purchase decisions. So we're talking about individuals here. We're not talking about companies. Once you start talking about individuals, you have the whole, you know, psychodynamic associated with the way our brains work. And, you know, uh, fear of change is a real thing, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like I may be considering hiring an agency to help me with my sales and marketing, but you know what? I could make a mistake. I could waste money. They could make me do something I'm uncomfortable with. You know what? Things aren't so bad here. It's going to be much safer just to keep doing what we're doing. I know we're not doing great, but it's going to be easier for me. And, you know, no one's really said anything to me yet about it. So, like, the, the clearly from a human decision-making perspective and the way our brains work, do nothing is by far the safest thing any of us could do. <laughs> it's true. Right? And that, that, that's what you're fighting against as a marketer, as a salesperson, is you're really trying to convince somebody who in their, in their like intimate thoughts would prefer to do nothing. And you're trying to get them to do something that's going to make them uncomfortable in, in most circumstances. That's a big uphill battle that marketers and salespeople tend to, I think, under, under um, uh, uh, you know, they underestimate how, how big a battle that is. Sure, sure. Again, that flowery talk of, oh, don't worry, they're flowing through the pipeline and they're coming through the funnel into the pipeline. They, they must flow forward. Right. Not really. Nope. <laughs> and you know what? I, I, I hate change too. I, I hate it in my pocket. And I, yep. and I hate the concept of it, but you know, you sort of like, you realize, oh, you got to go through change in life and all that kind of thing. But still, doing nothing can be being safe is, is like for a lot of people, let's just do that. Or, yeah, you know, I don't necessarily get fired if I, you know, don't buy that new software yeah, and it doesn't right. fail or pass. So, so, so the, the cyclones 
tell me about the, the eight different stages and, and, and this sort of addresses that you can get thrown out at any different yeah. point. Yeah. Let, let me tell you a quick story that kind sure. of justified why we started looking at this. So I do a lot of public speaking and over the past year, I started asking the people that come to my sessions to stand up and they stand up and I ask them a series of questions. So I'm, I'm really curious, like how good are people? These are mostly sales and marketing people. Sure. How, how good are we as a community at helping our companies hit our revenue goals? So I, I make them stand up and I say, okay, uh, if you hit your revenue goals, now this isn't whether you had a good quarter or not. This is if you hit your goals or exceeded your goals. If you hit your goals in the first quarter of 2019, remain standing. Okay. Right. So if you miss them, you have to sit down, right? All they say, okay, so if you hit them in the first quarter and you hit them in the second quarter, you can remain standing. So now if you had one quarter where you hit them and one quarter where you missed them, you're sitting down now. And, and I've been taking them through this series of questions and okay, third quarter. Okay. Fourth quarter. How many of you are thinking you're going to hit them in the first quarter of, of 2020? Now we're kind of early in the year. But you know how many people I generally have standing up at the end of those five, four or five simple questions? 10% or less. Wow. So that to me is such a dramatic illustration of how hard it is for us as sales and marketers to hit our revenue goals quarter over quarter and really, really sustain the upper trajectory that our businesses are looking for. It is so hard. 10% or less of the companies are able to do it. And we started wondering like, well, what's going on? Why, why is it so hard? Should it, should it be so hard? And, you know, this is a, a big, part of what we help our clients with is really understanding what they've done is not going to be what they need to do going forward. Right. And this is where shifting them away from thinking about a simple funnel and looking more intimately at their prospects buyer journey and potentially giving them some structure to that, like the cyclonic buyer journey starts to give them a map, right? It's a little like when we used to try to get somewhere, we would Typically, before the days of GPS, like if you wanted to get somewhere, you asked for directions, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I'm going to come see you. How do I get there? And someone would tell you how to get there, right? That wasn't great because maybe they forgot to tell you to make a left or maybe, you know, their landmark was a different landmark than you noticed. And we would yeah. get lost fairly frequently. Then we had maps. Maps aren't bad, but maps tend to go out of date and maps are also open to interpretation and the map is kind of where we are today, but now think about when you want to go somewhere. You just tell your car where you want to go, or you tell your phone where you want to go, and it gives you turn-by-turn -turn directions, voice activated all along the way, and you almost always get where you need to get to, no problem at all. So I think that's kind of the situation we are from a sales and marketing perspective. We're still working on directions, yeah. and it's not great. And what the cyclonic buyer journey and some of what we do starts to provide at least a map. Okay? okay. Here are the eight stages of the buyer journey. There are people who are perfect for what you do, who are unaware of you, right? We call that pre-awareness. They, they're kind of the people we describe. They're kind of okay in their jobs. No one's really bothering them to do anything different. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of getting by. They don't really want to change. Right. Um, but they need to change. There's an issue going on that something's they need to happening, yeah. consider. Something's about to happen to them. Um, so the, and and they, they, by the way, they are perfect for what we do, right? Cool. So we call that pre-awareness. And a lot of account-based marketing programs are basically targeted at people who are in that pre-awareness stage. And if we don't do something to kind of shake them up and get them out of that status quo, 
most of our marketing is going to be wasted. So now you're talking about the importance of a really solid, disruptive, emotional, compelling message. It makes someone be, say to themselves like, oh, wow, I, I never really thought about that. Like, mm. if, I don't, if I don't at least look into this, like, I, I'm, I, I could get in trouble. I, you know, I might not be doing my job to, to the fullest. Uh, you know, so a competitor could be outflanking us. You know, like, so we have mm -hmm. to try to find a way to, to disrupt their status quo and get them to hear what we're trying to communicate to them. If that's successful, then they generally move into an awareness stage where they don't really have an active project. They're not really looking to spend money, but they're now kind of interested, right? We tweaked their interest and they're, they're uh, aware that there's information out there. It's kind of like your, your reticular Activision turns on. So, you know, like when you buy your car and all of a sudden you realize, wow, I didn't realize so many people have the same car I have, right? You're, totally. now, you're yeah. now tuned into to this kind of information. So you're not really proactive about it, but you're tuned into it. We call that the awareness stage. If your buyer journey is going to progress, then you end up uh, moving to uh, an education stage where you're actually now proactive about searching for information, right? So you're interested enough in this issue that you feel like it's in your best interest to start to get educated. You yeah. might do some searches, you might visit some websites, you might talk to some people. It's casual. There's no sense of urgency yet, okay. but you know, you're, you're proactive now. So instead of being reactive, you're now proactive about being, you know, looking around for things that can help you be smarter in this area that, you know, we're talking about. Sure. If that progresses, then we're gonna move into a consideration stage. And in the consideration stage, you start to realize, you know what, I do have an issue. And the issue needs to be addressed. And I've educated myself enough to know that there are a variety of ways to address this issue. So again, for instance, if you do want your sales and marketing to be better, you could hire somebody, right? You could hire right. a CMO, you could hire a VP of marketing, you could hire a director of marketing, yep. or you could hire an agency, or you could buy software. So there are a variety of ways to satisfy that, that issue that you're trying to deal with, and you're trying to figure all those out. So we call that the consideration stage. Okay. After you're done consideration, you've probably narrowed your options, right? So again, just to stick with the same scenario, you know what, I really think the best choice for our company is to hire an agency, okay? Now there's a gazillion agencies. So, you know, you're now moving into an evaluation stage. In the evaluation stage, okay, I want to hire an agency. Do I want a big agency? Do I want a little agency? Do I want a fat agency? Do I want a thin agency? Do I want a yeah. local agency, a remote agency? Do I want one that specializes in what I do? Do I want one that's again, there's so many things a lot to of questions. consider, even though you want to hire an agency, like where to start. So again, like if I'm influencing someone who's at that stage of their buyer journey, my content has changed so dramatically mm. when they're in that stage because I'm having a much different conversation with them to help them pick the right agency, right? right. Also, this is in an interesting stage because this is typically where the handoff from marketing to sales happens. Ah, okay. People at evaluation? are going to, right, at evaluation. Okay. People are going to manage their buyer journey in a self-service way as long as physically possible. Right. Because none of us really want to talk to salespeople, right? right. We, we want to avoid the salesperson as much as possible. But when you get into an evaluation stage, there are questions that you have that generally are not readily available to the public. Like, you know, again, if I was comparing an agency, how much is this going to cost me, right? right? I might get an idea of pricing from a website, but I don't really know how much this particular program is going to cost. How long is it going to take to get results? Who would I be working with? Mm. What are your payment terms? What's your contract look like? Can I talk to some references? So 
this is pretty consistent. When, when I start to get to the questions that can no longer be answered with public information, and I'm serious about potentially talking to someone, I'm going to probably reach out to sales. Okay. okay. Now, yeah. sales has to understand what transpired before that outreach. Mm. So they don't go back and start to do the same things again, because that would create a, a weird and uncomfortable experience for your prospects. So they have to understand everything that's happened up until this time. And they also can't go into sales mode because if we've executed this effectively, we've had a really good educational experience that the client found what they were looking for and got their questions answered and feel really good about the company to the point where they're willing to talk to sales. If sales yeah. is pushy and aggressive and wants an appointment and can I send you a contract and when are you going to sign and can I come out and see you? Like that's a much different experience than the kind of guided and self-service experience we've been giving them from marketing. So that guided experience has to continue through evaluation and into the stage that's after evaluation, which is rationalization, where mm. I've now kind of decided I like this particular agency, but I still have to get some additional questions answered, right? It's like when you're going to buy a sofa and you show okay. up at the furniture store and you, you, the first sofa, you see like, oh my God, I love that sofa. And you see <laughs> wow, look at that sofa. It's beautiful. Like, I love it. Those are really emotional responses, right? Sure. As human beings, we make uh, dis a purchase decisions emotionally first, mm. right? So, wow, this agency sounds great. Like, I really like what Mike's written and their website's cool and they yeah. do what I need to do. But back to the sofa, it still comes down to, okay, how much is it? Let me right. get the measurements. When can I have it delivered? Do you offer financing? Do I have to pay for the shipping? Like, those are rationalization questions, and those come after you fall in love with the sofa. And the deal could still get ruined, right? Oh, if it's yeah. not going to fit in your living room, if, they, if, if you can't have it in time for your big party, if they're going to charge you $200, $300 for shipping, you might walk out of there, right? You got to so have you, the sofa, but um, right. uh, I can't. 10 grand on a right. sofa? What am I right. doing? Even though you love the sofa. Yeah. It just doesn't, it just wouldn't make any sense to do that. Right. So, um, uh, even though I love the sofa, I still got to rationalize, right? Even though right. I love the agency, I still got to make sure all the details in the contract and when can you start and can I meet the person I'm going to work with? Those have to get done too. And it's right. the same with every business. Again, salespeople are good at helping answer those rationalization questions because they're very specific to the customer or the deal, right? Yeah. Um, but you can still blow it at that point. And then after that, there's a decision-making stage, and that's obviously when the paperwork gets signed and everyone, you know, uh, the, all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed. And, you know, you could still blow it there too. If your contract is too legal, you could scare somebody away. It's true. Um, you can also extend your sales process unnecessarily at the very end, right? If I'm not a legal person and you give me a legal contract, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> I, I'm afraid again, right? Yeah. Instead of making me safe and comfortable, you've now made me anxious because I'm not a lawyer. And what do I do? Do I get a lawyer to look at it? Do I, you know, like, and, and now that delays the sales process also. So yeah. I'm not saying you don't need a legal contract, but understanding that the legalese can turn off people who are not lawyers understand that that's an extension of your sales process, maybe unnecessarily is important to know. You finally get the deal. You finally, they finally say, so you finally get started. The last stage of the buyer journey is you have to deliver. Oh. You have to give them an amazing experience so that they tell their friends, so that they write reviews, so they are referenceable. And all of those references and reviews and, and, and um, uh, 
reviews and references and referrals, yep. they feed your machine back in the beginning of the buyer journey because that puts more people in early in the buyer journey. If your clients aren't referenceable, if your clients aren't talking about you online, if your clients won't do review, references, reviews for you, you got an issue with delivery that needs to be addressed. So mm-hmm. all eight of these stages need to be actively managed uh, to make sure that the, the journey and the, and the experience that your pro- prospects and customers are having with you is amazing. Ultimately, this experience becomes what separates you from your competitors. The more remarkable this experience, the more people will talk about your business. A lot of people call this digital transformation, but mm, this, right. this experience that your customers and prospects are having with you is really the essence of what good marketing and sales looks like today. It's, right. it's less about the tactics because look, the tactics are the tactics, right? If I asked you to name me 10 marketing tactics, you can do it in a snap. Sure. Email, video, website, content, search, paid. So like, like everybody knows what the tools are. They don't know how to use the tools to create this amazing experience. And that's a big part of what we work with clients on. It's a big part of what's in the book, Smash the Funnel. And understanding the model or the map for this helps yeah. us go in and look at each of these stages individually. Quick question. You, yep. what, is it a, what is it about a, a cyclone? It can, is it... Is it alerting us to the fact that these things don't flow into each other? Or can people skip? Like, are all these things just kind of all spinning around and yes. you could be in, you could like dodge one and yes. end up in the other? And- yes. The idea of a cyclone is it's uh, less predictable, right? right. Um, it's more chaotic and it's no longer linear. So you are completely correct, right? Let's think about someone who's in the pre-awareness stage, right? They're, they're happy in their job. And they read an article. I love the cybersecurity space for this because okay. lots of times if I'm responsible for cybersecurity at my company, I'm thinking to myself like, oh, I got this covered. We haven't had an issue, <laughs> right? I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I bought the right software. I've read the processes. Everything's protected. You know, everything's good to go. Meanwhile, I learned from some of my cybersecurity clients that there could be a m- malicious uh, malware lurking in their network and they're completely unaware of it, right? Jeez. Right. So this happens all the time. Do you think Target was expecting to be hacked you know, a couple of years ago? Of course not. They thought they were fine. Yeah, we're good. So, <laughs> right. So if I, can, if I can get someone to think to themselves like, oh, like I really should look into this just yeah. to make sure I'm doing my due diligence, like I've done a good job, right? Now, let's say upon getting them interested, one of my offers is to take a peek at their network and see if anything's going on. No charge. This is how we're going to add value and give you mm-hmm. a great experience. And by the way, we have a cool tool that'll do it. So all you have to do is like, give me like, I don't understand this. It's protected access and yeah. I'll take a peek at what's going on. No, no, you don't have to worry about anything. Okay, sure. Why not? What have I got to lose? Right. And I take a peek in there and I find the malicious malware, right? Now I let them know they've gone from pre-awareness to evaluation in a matter of minutes. Wait a minute, what? There's something in my network that I was unaware of. You can help me get rid of it. I absolutely can. Great. Let's get started. Right. So it's, it's certainly possible with good marketing to skip steps. And it's certainly possible with bad marketing sales to get thrown out of a late stage buyer journey back to the beginning because something you did made your prospect nervous or feel anxious or unsafe. And they felt like they needed to go back and start again. Yeah. So the, the idea of, of being thrown around, the idea of chaos, the idea of unpredictability uh, is, is a big part of why the model works, in, in my opinion. 
And then how do you map the content? Because I know you mentioned that you you serve different content at different stages to really align with whatever cyclone they may be spinning in at that moment. How how do you align that? And, and do you sort of map that out ahead of time? And what's your, yes, what's your that's approach? Yes, it's a really good question. And the answer is really questions, okay? okay? So our goal in sales and marketing is to make the prospect feel safe, all right? If you understand any about, anything about the way people make purchase decisions, inside our brains is the reptilian brain. It's the first part of the brain that forms when we're becoming, um, you know, babies in the womb. Yeah. And it's the most prehistoric. It's the same part of the brain that controls fight, flight or fight. Okay. So if it's the same part of the brain that will tell you whether to stay or run, then we have to appeal to that from a marketing <laughs> and a sales perspective. And we have to make you feel safe. If I make you feel nervous or anxious, you're going to run. Right. If I make you feel safe, you're going to stay. Okay. Right. And there's some similar things that happen at a cocktail party. So when you go to a party and you meet someone and they talk about themselves for 10 minutes, you're like, eh, okay, I had enough of this guy. I'm going to go see who else is here, right? Right. But if they ask you questions about you, you're like, oh, wow, this person is interested in me and I might ask them a couple questions and they're asking me more questions. Oh, they really want to get to know me. Like that makes me feel good and makes me yeah. want to have a conversation. I might like this person. This might be a new friend of mine, right? Right. Right. So the same thing happens in marketing and sales. We have to know what questions people ask. And it's not that hard to know that the questions they ask when they're learning about us are different than the questions they ask when they're ready to sign a contract. Mm, sure. So we start mapping out all of the questions that people ask all along the buyer journey. And then we start trying to answer them. So if they're in the marketing part of the buyer journey, we're going to answer those questions with content, right? So if someone who's in the awareness stage ends up on my website and they're still not sure about what they need to do from a marketing perspective, I need content that helps them understand, well, maybe the difference between strategy and tactics, right? Yeah. Because people might not understand that there's a strategy component to what we do, what they should be thinking about also, right? Sure. So I'm going to answer questions that are kind of designed for people in the awareness stage. Then they're going to get in the education stage. So I'm going to have different content that answers questions they have in the education stage, like the a blog article you mentioned, like right. what's a good landing page conversion rate. I have landing pages. I thought I was doing pretty good, but now that I started to get educated, I realize I'm not actually doing as well as I thought I was. So right. what are some of the things I can do to fix that? So I'm going to educate them. Then in the consideration stage, they're going to have other questions. Like we talked about, like, why wouldn't I hire someone mm -hmm. versus hiring an agency, right? Well, do I want a long-term relationship with an agency or I just want them to do some small projects for me? So right. there's so many different ways in which they could get their issue satisfied. I have to help them understand what those differences are with, with content too. Now, I can't just do white papers because some people read and some people watch. Right. So I need video. And as you know, some people like podcasts. So I need audio. And some people like graphical representations and some people like to read. So I have to do infographics and I have to do white papers. And, um, uh, you know, some people like long form and some people like short form. So I have to blog and do long form and I have to do single Jeez. page tip guides for people who want it all condensed in checklist form. So you can see how complicated the content issue alone is, right? Yeah. But if I understand my persona and I understand where they are in the buyer journey, then I can design specific pieces of content that satisfy their questions along the way. Now, when they get to sales, it's similar, but they're going to be that content's going to be delivered by sales. 
Right. So I have to arm sales with the content they need to continue the conversation with clients, to continue to make those prospects feel safe and continue to provide them with content in a variety of ways. It makes total sense. And, and you, you did get a little bit overwhelming when you're talking about the different, all the different kinds of yeah. content you can do, do the personas help simplify that or do, do I just need to create a million pieces? No, of content? the personas definitely help simplify that. For okay. instance, if I was marketing to engineers, I would lean heavily on research and, and written copy because okay. look, they like to download stuff and read them right? They're not going to be turned off by a 20 page white paper because they're right. used to reading <laughs> stuff like that all the time, right? But if I was marketing to creative people, I probably would lean away from that and into, you know, I think it's left side of brain stuff, videos, graphics, mm. you know, short pieces of content, you know, so you have to understand your personas in terms of how they want to digest information. And then you still have to serve them up in a kind of an educational and entertaining way. We call that edutainment right? Because it's so competitive, I have to give you your content in a way that you're going to enjoy it. That's why podcasts are so popular because, you know, we don't have to have a dry, you know, I don't have to read a dry white paper. We can have yeah. an interactive conversation that people can pop on there while they're driving on their bikes, while they're working out. So I'm now serving them content in a way in which they want to digest it. Right, right. And, and it's super funny to listen to that Casey guy talking to Mike. <laughs> exactly. It's so much more fun right. than a dry webinar. Right. Welcome to our webinar, ladies right. and gentlemen. Yeah. It's so just, we're it's trying to real. entertain them with, with podcasts yes. as well. Right. Are you not entertained? <laughs> listeners? Exactly. <laughs> okay. That makes sense. Um, you know, question, you mentioned uh, you know, the experience is key. And I love that one of the cyclones is just about actually delivering in the end because yep. you want to keep the virtuous cycle going here where people are going to have a blast and tell all their friends about you and all their peers and colleagues and your brand supersedes you beyond your marketing. Yep. Um, you mentioned, you know, creating an experience for people. Do you have any, any tips or any sort of approach to how do you make an experience that, that sort of lasts and they, they can't help but tell other people about it? Yeah. So in our example, like I talked about the fluff box, right? So oh, right. we send a box of marshmallow fluff out to prospects. So anyone that wants to talk to us, uh, we decided early on that we would talk to anybody who wants to talk to us. So if you go to square2marketing.com and you, you ask to speak with us, we're not going to qualify you or ask you any questions about your business. We're more than happy to talk to anybody who wants huh. to talk to us, That's at least cool. for you know, 30 minutes or so. And because we want to have an open and honest conversation with us, you get a box from us, hopefully before the call, depending on the schedule. And there's a jar of fluff in there and a little brochure about the company that says, basically the short story is, look, we're no fluff. This is the last fluff you're going to get from us. Nice. So what does that do? They get on the phone. They're like, ha ha, we got your fluff. We had fluff or nutter sandwiches. Like that's so <laughs> cute. Why do you do that? We can tell, explain to them. We're trying to create an experience, right? Yeah. For, for people who are really qualified, who we want to work with and who want to work with us, they get a copy of the book. So, right. you know, a week later, uh, the copy of the book or, or two books show up in their office and they get to see like, wow, these guys wrote a book. I can read a little about their methodology and see how they think and, you know, decide whether this appeals to me or not. It doesn't appeal to everybody. Um, and, and, you know, we've continued to create an experience for them. Uh, right. Our, our offer to talk to them is not simply, you know, well, tell me about your business, but we're going to try to deliver some value, 
right? So, you know, I looked at your website, you know, here's some things that you could do better. Here's some ways you could drive conversions right away. You know, we want them to leave feeling like, wow, like I, it's not a great fit, but they really educated me on some things I could probably do on my own that, you know, it's a good experience. Right. And if it, if it is a good fit, you know, we started to show them a little bit of what we could potentially do for them. Uh, uh, when someone refers us, we send them a uh, gourmet root beer bottle with nice. a custom label in a box that says, thank you so much for the referral. We owe you a beer. And we give them the gourmet root beer with the custom nice. label on it. So we're trying to build all of these little touch points along the way. And it's not just about stuff that you send them. That's just one way to do it. When we're in the sales process, we have some videos that we send them that help communicate uh, uh, more complex points as opposed sure. to writing it out in a long email. Everyone gets right. the long email like, oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll look at that later. Yeah. The video is a much better way to communicate complex points. Um, we, we, we ask for feedback a lot. You know, even after we present our final recommendations, I'll literally say like, look, in our engagement, we ask for feedback quite frequently. So let's start practicing now. How'd we do today? Like did we that. answer your yeah. questions? Did we, did we, were we clear in what we're recommending? Are you guys comfortable moving forward? Like on a scale of one to 10, 10, you hated it. One, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hire you. I'm not looking for you to promise me anything. I'm, you guys did a good job. I don't see why we wouldn't go forward. Just give me an idea of how we did. Data is important yeah. to us, right? So we try to build in these little touch points like that. So when they look back, they can be like, look, Square Two really made us feel the most comfortable out of everybody I talk to. I want to go with them. Makes sense. L love the approach and you know, getting real world, but having fun too. Like life's too short to just, oh, let me send you some collateral. Like here, here's some fluff, here's a book, here's some root beer. Yeah, just I mean, that really gets back to knowing who you are. Right. Yeah. And knowing what your story is. So when we start working with clients, the look, everyone wants to get involved with the tactics, right? The tactics are the things that people can touch and feel. I need a new website. I need collateral. I need an email right. to go out. I need a blog article. I need social posts. Like, okay, great. I get it. But again, like, what are we saying? Like, mm -hmm. what is your story? What is the tone going to be? How are we going to talk about your business in a way that someone sits up and takes notice? How do we disrupt the status quo? How do we get their attention? And I think, most people blow by that, mm. Most, especially when they're doing it on their own. A lot of agencies are pretty good at introducing this to, to clients. But when you're doing this on your own, I think a lot of companies don't spend enough time realizing they need a story and need a disruptive messaging. They're like, well, look at company. Look what company B is doing. They're pretty big. Let, let's just say what they're saying. If they're saying it must be right. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say something similar to that. Well, right. that's the absolute wrong thing to do. So we have to help you come up with a story and the story will, will, will help us figure out what is the right package and how do we, you know, what, what do we say at this point in the sales process and how should the video intro be and, you know, what is the website imagery going to be? What's the tone of the website? Like it all has to connect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one cohesive picture yep. all echoes on itself. Yeah. I mean, one little thing to keep in mind, you know, again, I'm a kind of a student of human behavior. so. Mm -hmm. You know, when it, it comes to features and benefits, we're all pretty bad at remembering those, right? <laughs> right. Like, you know, you probably, and this is not, but you probably don't know how long I've been in business and that's okay. But, you know, I have some cool stories. You shared a few when we kicked off the, yeah. the podcast. So it's the same thing with our businesses, our, our clients. Like, 
been in business for 20 years. We have 200 people. We have 30 trucks. Like no one cares what they want. And they're not going to remember any of those details. But if you tell them a cool story, they're going to remember the story. Human beings are tuned. We're, We're genetically programmed to remember stories. Like you can tell 25 people after we're done here, oh, I met this cool guy who has an agency, sends fluff out. Yeah. Right. They're the no fluff agency. That's a story you can remember and share easily. Right. Right. And that's what we need to be creating for our clients. We try to create these inventories of stories that their marketing can tell, their salespeople can tell, their client services people can tell, their manufacturing people can tell, their purchasing people can tell. That's really how companies grow. So when they have some really cool stories that everybody can share inventory of stories is one of the things you said. I love that. It's not a resource folder full of case studies. It's like, what kind of stories can we, can we have them experience or share with them that they remember us by? Correct. Amazing. And you also mentioned tactics and I, and I did wanted to touch on this before we get, you know, move on it. Mm -hmm. Tactics are so alluring, mm-hmm. you know, they're so, Oh, let, I would just, let's swap tactics today. Yeah. yeah. Um, but without the story behind it or the strategy, what, how do you uh, approach people and talk to them about the importance of both the strategy side and then also getting things done? Yeah. So you're completely correct. Uh, people are, you know, romanced by the tactics and I get it. Like that's the things you can say you're doing to look yeah. busy and, you know, uh, those are the things people can touch and feel like, oh, I saw the email that went out today. Good job. Or, you know, the new website's live or we published a new piece of content or the social posts. So I get that those are the things that people can see and touch. But what we've experienced is something we call random acts of marketing. Hmm. And when there is no strategy to, to dictate what tactics to execute and in what way to execute them and in what order, you end up with random acts of marketing. Let's try this. Let's do a little bit of that. We haven't had any video. Let's make some videos. Right. Well, what are we going to say in the videos? Don't worry about it. Just go out and, you know, record some clients. And, you know, this is what you end up. You see a lot of this online now, you know, random sales guy in his car making a video on LinkedIn. <laughs> to his network, right. There's no strategy behind yeah. that. The guy just felt like, oh, I'll make a video. I'll start talking to the camera and I'll put it on my LinkedIn and you'll be good to go. Right. Um, that's not effective. You know, that that's just something that, you know, consumes time. So when we look at tactics, we have a strategy before tactics approach, which basically starts with like, what are we trying to accomplish here? Is it leads? Is it new customers? Is it revenue growth? Is it uh, more sales opportunities? Like, or is it all of those things, right? It could be all of those things for sure. And how much of each of those things, right? So like how many more marketing qualified leads do we need? That means we have to look at how many you're getting now. Mm-hmm. How many more sales opportunities do you need to hit your sales goals? Well, how many are you getting now, right? right. So we have to kind of look at the baseline. We have to use the data and the signs to look at where they are now. And then we can start to say, okay, you're getting two new customers a month. You want six new customers a month. Here's what your revenue cycle needs to look at. You, you don't need 20 times the visitors. You just need two times the visitors because we're also going to publish more content to drive up your conversion rate. And we're going to make sure that the buyer journey is mapped to produce a higher quality lead. So you'll have more, a higher percentage of sales opportunities for marketing qualified leads. And then we're going to look at your sales process. So you'll close more of those sales opportunities at a higher rate and in a shorter time frame. And this is how you're going to go from two new customers to six new customers, right? So mm-hmm. now I can show them what the six new customer cycle looks like. So I can now say, okay, now that I know that, 
I kind of know what my goal line is. I can go back in and put the tactics in place where they need to be put in place mm -hmm. to drive up those numbers. And I know more or less that I need to do this, make these changes to your website for, so it ranks more and we can get the 2x improvement on the visitors. Yeah. And I know I need to publish more content so I can turn instead of a 1% conversion rate into a 2% conversion rate. And I know I need to optimize that site on an ongoing basis to continue to improve performance. And I know based on your personas, we need some videos because those will mm -hmm. keep people on your site and they're highly convertible and sales can use them also. So I'm going to use the tactics to build out the program I need to hit this level of performance right right it's kind of like the pro football plant coach right like okay my defense lets up 20 points a game i need to get 21 or more points to win the <laughs> game that means i need to score three touchdowns right here's my offensive game plan they're a little weak against the run they're a little strong against the pass i'm gonna try to run the ball that goes to my strengths i think i can get one two, two touchdowns running the ball and I'm going to use some short passes because I can trick their linebackers into think I'm going to run. And if I get uh -huh. one or two extra touchdowns through some of my short pass, we're going to win the game. Right. Right. So it's a lot of like game planning to get to the goals and objectives that you need to hit your numbers instead of just randomly just trying stuff without knowing whether we're making progress or not. Yeah, the random acts, right? Like you hear, you heard on a podcast that someone sends fluff out, so you just immediately go and send fluff, but maybe that's not really your brand or it doesn't, right. really, it's a random act of marketing at that point. Right. Yep. Wow. Well, who are you, Mike? Like you mentioned story. Uh, what's your story? Like, take us back. Like little Mike days. Did you always know you're be going to become an author and a, you know, like a marketing sage a wizard of the uh, high seas? Look, definitely not. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I have a creative side to my personality. You know, like I've, I've, I've done some photography back in the day and sure. Yeah, I did a little bit of, you know, our art related stuff when I was younger. And I never really felt like I was good enough to be like an artist or a designer or something like that. So I was attracted to marketing because it allowed me to execute my my exercise, my creative uh, side sure. of my side of me. Right. I had a couple of jobs in college that allowed me to kind of be exposed to marketing a little bit. And again, I like the creative side of it. I like the creative problem solving piece of mm -hmm. it. And I like the visual aspect of marketing as well. So, you know, I was kind of attracted to marketing back in the day. And you went and to I, school for it. Did you know that that's what marketing was? Or? Well, I, I, I started out as a business major and shifted sure. to marketing pretty quickly. Um, okay. I actually went to Drexel University where I had the benefit of having three co-ops while I was at school, which, oh. by the way, i big, big fan of the co-op program. So, I mean, I had three jobs. So my first job was a marketing job in a sales organization. So I kind of got to see kind of how sales and marketing work together. My second job was horrible. It was in like the, <laughs> the IT department of a bank. And I was like, hey, what I don't want to do, which by the way, those co-ops are just as good at telling you what you shouldn't do and don't want to do as they are at telling you what you want to do. Agreed. And my last job was a, a marketing kind of business development job at a regional chamber of commerce. So, hmm. you know, we had events and we were publishing a newsletter and I kind of started to see like, oh, this is something that I probably would like doing. There was some yeah. writing involved and, and I, I, I kind of started looking for a marketing job. So my, I had a very traditional career up until I started Square Two. I was, I was in various marketing roles for, sure. for different companies you've done in Bradstreet. I worked for them. I worked for Xerox. I worked for, um, 
uh, a big travel management company called Rosenbluth International that got sold mm-hmm. to Amex, you know, 15 or so years ago. Uh, so I had kind of big company jobs. Now, what's interesting about my career in those big job companies was I never really was in a pure marketing function. Hmm. All of my marketing functions were very closely aligned with sales. Okay. And I think that always kind of tuned me into marketing's role is not to make fancy brochures, but to help sales. So I would go right. on, I would go on sales calls with the sales guys, you know, and I, mm-hmm. and I was a kid. I'm sure I was like, look at this little, he doesn't know what he's doing. Like, sure. Come on. I'll get you out of the office for an afternoon. But I went to, I went on sales calls with them and they would talk to me about their issues. They would tell me how corporate marketing doesn't know what they're going through and doesn't, isn't giving them what they need to do their job. So right. I would try to help them get the things they needed to, to, to close more business. All of my jobs were very sales uh, aligned marketing jobs, which if you think about that, I mean, that was 20 years ago. That was 25 years ago. Like sales and marketing alignment wasn't a thing. No. In fact, marketing hated sales and sales hated marketing and the executives liked that for some reason. So yeah, you know, that's I, weird. I, I realized all along that that's not probably the best way to go <laughs> about this. So, you know, when I started Square 2 17, 18 years ago, it was with a desire to help people do this differently. Yeah. And we met so many medium-sized businesses, small business, bigger businesses, where they would say to me, Mike, you know, our company is good. You know, I'm really good at A. I'm really good at B. I'm really good at C. We've been doing it for 20 years and the mm-hmm. company's successful, but I just can't get it to the next level. We just can't grow. And the reason they couldn't grow was because they didn't know what to do for sales and marketing. They right. knew how to make the widgets. They knew how to provide the service. You know, they knew how to help their clients but they didn't know how to do sales and marketing. Right. So we started helping them. And you know, when we started the company in 2003, Facebook wasn't even a company yet. So we leaned really heavily on you know, email marketing and we used- MySpace? <laughs> right. Well, we used the tools we had. Right. And we tried to, you know, again, talk to them about message and story and strategy and what makes their business remarkable. And, right. and over the years, we've just grown up in a- industry that is accelerating so quickly marketing technology intent data abm influencer marketing online reviews and and now i think the real problem with marketers is you know i I have this job and my boss has said generate more leads and let's help Mm -hmm. the company grow and i'm looking at everything that i can possibly do and and i'm just like where do i start like I, i don't know like the website yeah it's not great but that's a big project should i should i just publish some ebooks on my bad website and mm-hmm. you know what about the story you know oh my god if i have to get the executives to change their story how am i going to do that you know it's such heavy lifting i'm not even going to bother with that i'm just going to just start doing some things that they see i'm busy yeah and that basically you know starts sent down a path of of inefficiency and poor performance and just a lot of wasted time and energy and and that produces these companies that are spending money on marketing and just just not growing yeah, it's such a waste. I remember bumping into one who spent an extra million dollars a year in marketing and saw zero revenue. And then they came to us saying like, what happened? Right. And, you know, it, it, was, it was, for them, it was processed. They had right. leads stuck in between marketing and right. sales. Right. And everyone was like pointing the finger at, oh, you never sent them. We never got them, you know? Yeah. And it's like, ooh, yeah, there's so much to fix there. 
yeah, there's a, there's a lot to fix and there's generally a lot of people involved. And like we said earlier, people don't really want to do things differently. And, um, you know, it, 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 it takes a, it takes a commitment, you know, to really yeah, fix yeah. this. We tell clients this all the time. I don't think they particularly hear it, but it's a marathon. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you're going to do marketing for two months and then like sit back and relax, like it's a mistake. You have to be doing marketing every single day of the entire time your company is in existence and you need to be doing it at the level commensurate with the kind of results you're expecting. Yeah. Um, I hear that a lot. Also, uh, we're doing $3 million and we want to do $6 million next year. And I have a thousand dollars to invest in marketing. I hey. said, look, a thousand dollars. That's great. But you're not going to be doing $6 million next year. Right. You know? So especially when your average ticket item is $50,000, like it's just not going to happen. So, you know, I think it's great that you have a, a, a doubling your revenue objective, but you really need to invest appropriately to do that. So we can either talk about a, a realistic budget to get you to double revenue, or maybe we should look at a more realistic a goal for next year. Like maybe if you're going to do, maybe you could do four or 3.8 on a thousand dollars. Like, so like, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to help clients understand the relationship between uh, what they're investing in marketing and sales and what they think they're going to do next year. Right. Right. But tie it into the revenue, into the numbers. So it's not just collateral brochures. It, and fluff. It, it has to be, it has to be tied into the numbers. Right. So got a hypothetical for you. Sure. I created a time machine yep. and uh, you can go back in time to the beginning of your, your career. It could be while you're in the co-ops, could be while you just graduated from school what would you tell yourself? What would you advise yourself back at the very beginning, knowing what all you've experienced now? Wow. I mean, I really feel fortunate in the way my career has unfolded. You know, I, I look back at my, my in-house time and yeah, maybe I could kind of retrospectively say like, well, maybe that could have been shorter and I could have started the agency sooner and we would have maybe been a little farther along, but uh, I mean, that would probably be the only thing that I would have wanted to do differently would be to have started Square Two earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of satisfaction working with a lot of different companies and helping people. And, um, you know, the corporate world is very safe, uh, but it's also very, you know, methodical. I'll yeah. be uh, kind to them, you know. I remember very clearly, you know, being, you know, the director of marketing or the VP of marketing, and it's November, and I got my plan together for the upcoming year, and I go to the meeting, and I show it to everybody, and they're like, Mike, this looks great, and I go back to my office, I'm like, great, another year, doing the mm-hmm. same thing over and over again, like, it's nice that they trust me, but they don't really understand what I'm doing, and they're yeah. kind of just like saying yes to me, because I'm the marketing guy, so I think if I had maybe been a little more aggressive in starting something that I would have more control over earlier, mm-hmm. it might've been a little, a little bit better. Sure. But you, you, you paid your dues. And you, yeah. And I learned a lot. Right. And you like did. I said, a lot of those experiences were sales and marketing experiences. And I think it made me the kind of marketer I am today. I'm not a puzzle palace marketer. I'm not a, you know, like, Oh, like uh, who cares about sales? Let's just do this stuff and whatever, right. ha- whatever they do with the leads that's on them. Like I never think like that. You know, it's always about like, look, we generate these leads. What, what, what's sales going to do with them and how is sales going to turn them into revenue? So right. uh, I, I think, you know, those experiences were, were helpful. That makes total sense. I get that. You know, this has been fantastic. I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't let you get out of here unless uh, I, I asked you about the cooking. How goes the cooking lately? I know you've been experimenting with uh, different things. 
Yeah, so the, the cooking's been interested uh, about uh, six months ago or so. I decided to go on the plant-based diet. So oh, cool. Um, I, six months I, ago, and you're six, still here. You're six still alive. Six months ago. Yeah, no, it's been really good for me. Um, uh, I lost 15 pounds, and a lot, wow. my, a lot of my like numbers became a little more in line with, with where they should be. So sure. I cook a lot of vegan stuff. I, I'm really into all of these new kind of plant-based products, like these fake hamburgers. And, Have you had the fake Whopper? Yes. I, no, I've never had the fake Whopper, but I do eat a lot of Beyond Burgers because I just think they're delicious and it satisfies my craving for meat and, you know, keeps me on my diet. So, right. um, I cook a lot of vegan food, like a lot. I've learned how to make tofu crispy and taste really good. And I try to use a lot of, you know, fresh vegetables in my cooking. And I'm dragging my wife along, who who has always been a good eater. She really doesn't eat any <laughs> the little chicken, but she's not even so into all the tofu and tempeh and some of the other stuff that I'm eating. So um, I, I cook a lot of that. The, the thing I like the most about cooking is I feel like it applies to what I do during the day. Right. Yeah. When I'm looking at a client situation, I can be creative in trying to help them create the marketing program that's going to work. And it's a little dash of this and a little sprinkle of this and a little adjustment here. And I feel like I like cooking because it's similar. Right. I look at yeah. the recipe and I might not put in capers because I don't like capers, but instead I'm going to put a little uh, crushed red pepper in there because I like my food a little spicier. So, sure. you know, I like being able to be creative while I'm cooking and I find it relaxes me, you know, after uh, a, a difficult day, I can kind of, you know, settle down a little bit and taste a little bit and cook a little bit. I try not to be in a hurry. I try to take my time. So it's very uh, consistent with kind of where I am today and some of the things I like to do when I'm not working. Right. Now, as you're describing that, I'm thinking, yeah, you have the freedom to be able to just mix ingredients. You know that ingredient, what it, what the effect it's going right. to do. And so you get to be the chef. And, right. But that's so much different than like a baking, right? You, you can't yes. really. I'm not a big baker. I'm actually not good at baking. And this is also nice. My wife is an excellent baker, so she oh, tends to bake and I tend to cook. But yeah, I'm not good at exact measurements. I tend to like mess that up. And then when the cake doesn't rise, I'm disappointed. And <laughs> so it, yeah, baking is a little too rigid for me. I, I like the creativity of cooking a little more. Maybe that's more corporate, right? <laughs> corporate baking? Maybe, yeah. Put that good, campaign good in the point. oven. Let it, let it simmer. That's right. That's right. We don't have time for that. We're, we're cooking over here. It's like street food marketing over here. Yeah, it pretty much is. I think maybe when I retire, I would actually like to have a food truck to be oh, yeah. more, more like a street food ish, you know, like, so who knows? What kind of food? What kind of uh, food would you cook? I, in I, don't, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know. Like I used to thought I would do like a really cool, like burger truck, you know, but I don't know. I'm really into the plant-based thing. Yeah. It's super trendy. food truck. Right. So maybe something like that uh, would be good, but I still got plenty of years left at square two before I'm doing a food truck. Right. Right. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep that on the, on yeah. the hot, the hot put you on my email list. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> exactly. Right. Well, this has been fantastic. Thanks for coming down here. I mean, it's fun chatting with you and also learning from you at the same time. No problem. I've enjoyed it as well. So thank you. Can you throw out some links? Like where could people connect with you? They sure. want to connect with you, follow you, um, get on that, that same list that I'm on with square twos content. Yeah. Thought leadership. Yeah, so uh, square2marketing.com is the website. Uh, check check it out. There's there's blog, a, an active blog. We probably blog three or four times a week. Um, I try not to do kind of the same old blog stuff that a lot of people do. So it's a little more about maybe getting you to think 
or uh, sharing some interesting tactics that have worked with clients. Yeah. Um, we have a lot of content on there for all stages of the buyer journey. So if you're looking for an agency, there's content on questions to ask while you're in that process. If you're, you know, trying to figure out how to make your program work better, there's tons of, of you know, there's like a mega guide to revenue generation that you can mega guide. take a look at. Love it. Uh, on how to like grow revenue for your company. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, You've got an event coming up too, right? Excuse me? You've got an event coming up? Yeah, we're doing something interesting, which we haven't even started to promote yet. But if you're going to uh, visit the website, you'll probably see something about it pretty quickly. Or if you sign up for something on our website, you will definitely get notified. We're doing something that we're, we're fondly referring to as Lead-a-Palooza. <laughs> so towards the end of February, we're going to do a whole week of concentrated content and events. And basically what you would do is sign up for Lead-a-Palooza. And starting on Monday of that last week of February, you would get something. And Tuesday, you would get something. And you might get something Tuesday afternoon and Wednesday. Wow. And then it's going to culminate with a, a webinar, uh, a joint webinar with us and one of our partners Thursday afternoon. And then there'll be some follow-up on Friday. So if you're interested in kind of experiencing content in a slightly different way, yeah. we're thinking about running this big experiment towards the end of February. So if you like the idea and you want to sign up for it, just sign up for anything on our website and you'll be included in the promotion that will um, ask if you want to opt in to be part of Palooza or something similar to that. Right. Um, I do some agency consulting too. So I've always wanted to give back to other agency oh, nice. owners. So I have a little cons uh, consulting company called Agencies 2 Inbound, uh, oh. the number two, agencies2inbound.com. Uh, there's some very in a very affordable programmatic ways to work with me and some other agencies. Also, if you're an agency, you're looking for some help on how to grow your agency. And because things are so complicated, the team at square two built this piece of software called max G. What max G does is it connects to your HubSpot or your Google analytics and account and will actually look at all of your performance data and give you insights and recommendations. So like we said, wow. it's so hard to know what to do. Yeah. This is a tool that will help you do that. So we apply some advanced AI to kind of look at your data and basically skip the dashboard. So if you want just a list of things to work on that's going to help improve performance, MaxG is a really affordable tool that you can subscribe to online. And it's like 100 bucks a month or maybe even wow. less. And it will actually help you prioritize what to work on to improve performance. Where do they get that? Where do you get? Oh, maxg.ai, www.maxg.ai. .ai. We have to yep. have you come back on here and talk AI at some point. Yeah, no problem. Be happy to do it. Like, That's have awesome. a whole perspective on that as well. Like, I think like a lot of the AI tools are very siloed, like yeah. the tactics are, and we tried to build one that's holistic. So it looks really? at a variety of tactics to give you a much better idea of what to work on and in what order. Wow, I love that. Tune in next time, people, for nice. that. Sounds you can't good. have that now. You can't have everything now. Uh, but for those of you listening, if you've learned something, and I know you have because I literally have two pages of notes over here back to back, um, share this with someone else. Be a thought leader to one person, two people. Just get this in their hands. Check out Square2. Get on that content list so you can get the posts that I've been getting. They're fantastic. Uh, and uh, definitely hit up Mike and say hi for sure. Yeah, I mean, anyone who knows me knows I'll talk to anybody, you know, for half yeah. an hour to help you. So Mike2Marketing is my Twitter handle. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I post a couple times a day. And if you want to email me, Mike at Square2Marketing, go ahead, feel free to hit me up with an email awesome. and mention the podcast. That'll probably get you through the clutter of my email box. Right. And happy to hop on the phone and, and talk to you about what you got going on and, and see if I can help you in some way. 
Awesome. Well, Mike, appreciate it, man. Thanks for coming on here. Thank you, Casey. You do an awesome job. Keep it up. Yeah, we'll do. We'll do. Hey, thanks. And, and we'll, we'll stay tuned and, and we'll follow this AI and see what you're up to. Sounds good. Looking forward awesome. to it. Awesome. And for Bye. everyone out there listening, it's been the Hardcore Marketing Show. Catch you all next time. All right. A big thank you to today's sponsors. Cheshire Impact, helping marketers and sales win, maximizing the use of Pardot and Salesforce. And a big thank you to Qualified.com the number one live chat and chat bot platform for Salesforce and Pardot. Remember the giveaway. If you have Salesforce Pardot and you want a free copy of my book, Marketing Automation Unleashed, then you go over to qualified.com, engage in the chat, do a demo, and tell them that Casey sent you, and that book will be on its way to your door. All right. We'll see you all in the next one.